Everybody, long time no here. This is Deep End Podcast. It's been a long time since I've done one of these, and I think last time you guys heard this and heard one of these episodes, I was going on about wanting to do them more regularly. Of course, with the regular commentaries and other podcasts, the schedules those run on, it's been just really hard to find a consistency with this one. But it is January and Represents a new year, and thus is another reason why I wanted to jumpstart this again. It is a new year, and with the new year, it brings a lot of things. It brings change. Everybody does the whole new year, new me thing. I think with change comes, you know, prospects of self-growth, prospects of all sorts of progress. And I think part of that progress, too, is it's it's not just the little things you know uh personal health it's fitness it's not just your career sometimes it's the thing that's holding all that stuff back you know uh sometimes it's relationships sometimes it's people sometimes it's forgiving people all that stuff is crucial to better better you right new year new me that whole deal anyway on this episode, I've got my good friend, Mr. Josh James. He's from the R-Rated Horror Commentary. And if you guys listen to the normal BTM commentaries or anything else in the Revival House Network, you guys are, you know, no stranger with Josh. So how you doing, man? Hey, what's up, man? Thanks for having me back. This is my second trip down this podcast highway with you. Well, it's cool. We did another show about, uh, I'm trying to remember what it was. Was it about like ambition or careers or something like that right something like that and it might have went off into a political angle with all the school shootings and stuff that Mm -hmm. were going on last year 2018 was a crazy crazy year yeah dude i'm i'm pretty glad i had that that year behind me it was it was all right you know i had some high points but i had a lot of low points too you know Mm -hmm. and uh it was just weird a lot weird climate in this country and stuff and kind of glad to see in the rear view hoping for the best i'm optimistic for 2019 to maybe see some positive changes and uh not more of the same you know well what's interesting is year after year once january 1st rolls around if you guys are on social media which you probably are you see the same stuff right you see a bunch of meme work and posts about oh 2018 or whatever the year that just ended was left me like this or some kind of inspirational wannabe quote of oh my god 2018 left me battered bruised and raped but you know what i'm still alive the thing is it's gonna be the same 2019 is gonna be the same 2020 will be the same you're always gonna have troubles there's always gonna be really shitty things that happen throughout the year there's always gonna be people that you know pass away mm-hmm. there's always going to be celebrities that die mm-hmm. right was it 2017 where everybody was making a big deal about people like carrie fisher passing away yeah and, yeah. and it was a huge deal and everybody's like not another one 2017 fuck you i'm like dude 
people are going to continue to die and pass away. Mm-hmm. So I think with that, it's like an epidemic of people that just focus on the bad, obviously. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think the social media just brings a lot of that out to the forefront. And, uh, you know, it comes across our screens a lot. So it's just something else to talk about. It's something else to make drama out of. And it's like, yeah, 2017 had a lot of celebrities die. And people were like, fuck, 2017 constantly saying that. It's just kind of rolling my eyes. Like, people die. It's just natural part of life. Now, when somebody passes away untimely, uh, maybe somebody in your personal life and that's tragedy you know that's what somebody mm-hmm. takes their own life or suddenly dies in a car accident i mean that's that's a whole different ball of wax but as in the world as a whole uh humans have their time on earth and then they pass away and so these celebrities who we don't even know people we're not even connected to people make a big deal about it it's kind of um annoying after a while mm-hmm. it's like we all know you know that it's sad that carrie fisher died and that's a that was a you know that was kind of a bigger thing because she was such a huge icon to our generation. But uh, but people harp on it. They harp on it and they create um, – they generate a lot of uh, drama around it, I think, for attention. And uh, we need to get – we can kind of need to steer away from that. You know, as the world gets busier, uh, as it gets more complex, as it, there's more moving parts, it's just a lot of white noise and uh, – the political part of the the equation is really a tough pill for me to swallow um, because it's just such a, uh, it's a nonstop stream of negativity. If it seems like, you know, it's in vogue to trash the current administration and everything. And I get that people need a place to vent. You hit on a key word negativity, right? I think that's the, I think that's the only resolution that should be is to stop negativity, Mm -hmm. go into a new year with an outlook of, expectation like i know things aren't going to go my way this entire year right they're probably not going to go my way more often than they do go my way and i should just accept that and focus on the things that are going right and i don't think there's enough people that do that you know we live in a very first world mentality you know type of all the time and oh god we are so spoiled in this country it's ridiculous we complain about things we shouldn't complain about Mm -hmm. right And that's why I get it. Easier said than done. I wish everybody could travel. I wish everybody could get an experience like that and travel to places that are less fortunate or that just sort of operate on less Mm -hmm. or just operate on different things that we find to be super valuable, right? And you might get a little bit of clarity because sometimes there's people in our nation and other first world countries that have their heads so far up their asses that it makes me sick. And I'm not saying I'm not guilty myself of letting there be times where I get absorbed in busy life, you know, adulthood, you get bogged down. uh, The important things sort of fall on the back burner, not intentionally. It just sort of indirectly happens because we all got jobs. We've all got lives. You know, money tends to stress us out, even though we like to read memes that say money ain't everything and it doesn't buy you happiness. We all know that Mm -hmm. it's the key stressor in our lives sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think it's a lot has that has a lot specifically to do with the fact that we have a huge of abundance of of everything in this country, and we're sold a uh, a fantasy, if you will, that we're supposed to have this amount of shit, live in this kind of house, drive this kind of car, have this sort of spouse, and uh, live a certain lifestyle. That I really think 
you know, has been inflated through like social media lately and stuff. And when you, well, like, I don't really make a lot of money, to be honest. Um, you know, I'm struggling artists and stuff. And, and so sometimes I get mired down in that whole ideology of like living the American dream and, and owning a bunch of shit and, you know, being affluent with my, um, my income and stuff. But then, you know, I have an epiphany and I'm just like, I have a great fucking life. I have my health. I have, a roof over my head. I have all kinds of plenty of shit here to entertain myself. Um, I have a job. I have friends. I really uh, have so much more in my little microcosm, my bubble, if you will, than a lot of people in other countries that are really suffering, going through hardships. I don't even have the chance to have. So it's really stupid that we complain about these things, you know, because the average American life, the middle class or even a lower middle class American has a lot to be grateful for. That's why so many people want to get over here, you know, to, to be able to access that. So, and this is actually a really good segue to the meat of the podcast. Uh, what I really wanted to talk about. So talking about new years and your resolutions, whatever, if that means something to you and that helps motivate you to accomplish something, we'll call it a resolution. Just wipe out negativity, mm -hmm. except that negativity doesn't have to cancel out positivity. You know, count your blessings. There's always going to be checks and balances all over the place. You're going to have bad days, but that's not what you should be aiming at as far as what's improving. So anyway, like I said, imagine the shoe on the other foot. Think about the world as a whole and, and it might take you a lot farther. Now, on the topic of the country we live in, I think the ultimate resolution, less negativity and just ultimately being grateful for what we have. Josh, you just kind of hit it on the head. You know, you could have more, right? We could all have more. Mm -hmm. And it's it's good to aspire to, to take part in that. The fact that we have the opportunity to make more of ourselves and to improve and, and to uh, reach out into the world and, and grab what's there as an opportunity. But to obsess over it or to feel constantly feel bad that we don't have, feel like we have enough, you know. It is it, it creates generates those negative feelings, those feelings of low self worth, um, and it constantly comparing ourselves to each other. Um, you know. Yeah. I'll add it onto the list of resolutions for you. Let's stay off social media just a little bit more. I know it's kind of an unrealistic thing to say. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I have social media too for certain things. Oh, dude. Well, real quick. I mean, I have three Twitter accounts. It's ridiculous. Am I personal? my my art business and i have the podcast and mm -hmm. i think I, you know i have a face i have three facebook pages for, for the same reasons it's just like i'm constantly trying to manage these things to i think uh you know improve the livelihood of my daily life and you know, find commissions from people and promote the podcast to get people interested in that and then i just want to be a regular dude on on social media and interact with friends that may, maybe necessarily don't care about things I'm trying to promote or projects I'm working on. So, well, to a degree, like I said, it's unrealistic to say, Hey, ditch social media. That's the world we live in now, especially if yeah. you have a business, it's hard to, you need it, right? Yeah, dude, we're intertwined. It's, it's too late. It's, it's got its hooks in it. to be competitive, right? You got to, but yeah, for the sake of all of our health and to not fall victim of the Instagram generation of having to compete with all this fake uh, whatever you want to call it, this, this fake expectation of life, mm -hmm. you know, cause that's what it is. You know, a lot of the young people, they, 
they feel like they have to show off to people they don't even know, right? Mm-hmm. It's all about, hey, I, I know, personally, I know people, you know, especially in my part of the country where I'm at, you know, there's certain parts of town where it's really cool to be that type of person to take pictures with maybe really, really fancy cars that maybe you really don't own. It's just somebody's car and they let you take a picture in front of it. Right, you know, right. Like it is your car. Mm-hmm. Uh there's a lot of that. You got a showboat and there's just no reason for it. Well, you, I think we know – I mean the reason why people do things like that and they create this facade is because the accumulation of wealth is essentially power and that's the sort of structure that we live with. And so, you know, people want to build uh, an image of themselves of, of having power by having things, by being at certain events or being around certain types of people – and uh, showing off, essentially. It's a big show and tell, right? So uh, people try to foster that even if they don't really have it. Uh, they put a lot of their self-worth into what they are what they have, the things, you know, the tangible. And, uh, you know, and it, I think it has a backlash. I mean, there, I think it's good to want to take part in the, you know, this capitalist structure of the, of the United States that we live in, which is, you know, you can do anything with your life. You could start with nothing and have everything, you know. It's, it's an awesome awesome thing but uh i think people like to embellish uh because it makes themselves feel better and then when they i think the average type of person kind of wants to get down on themselves and be negative because they can't really compete with that you know mm-hmm. um and it's it's a it's a fool's errand you know i mean everything that we have should be something you know in terms of like a a thing a, a possession or, or monetary wealth it's just stuff at the end, you know? I mean, there's so many people out there who have all kinds of shit and are miserable. Um, exactly. I'm not going to pretend that I haven't, you know, done any of that. But I am proud to say if you go on my Instagram, you will see me flaunting my material objects, mm-hmm. which are Ninja Turtle statues or something <laughs> stupid. Right. Yeah, yeah, I'm not taking pictures of my car. I'm not taking pictures of my house and putting them up on Instagram. I'm not – I'm trying to stay away from that stuff. Basically, there's nothing on my Instagram that I think is going to – get anybody laid right or mm-hmm. it's not going to get anybody any power or whatever it just says hey look i'm kind of a dork because i like that or i have here's a movie collection i have or you know whatever mm-hmm. it, it is it's not it's not a whole it's not too much of me it's stuff that's about me but whatever i don't take it too seriously. well it's stuff that you know like like makes you happy it's things that you're interested in it's not really a uh flaunting of you know, it's, you're not sending a message that you're some sort of alpha dog because you have like a the, the latest uh, fucking well nicest car or something. You know, that's funny, man. If you have to tell people you're an alpha dog, you're not a fucking alpha dog. Exactly, exactly. That's so true, man. It, you really don't. You really don't. It's just like uh, same thing. If you go around telling people you're a genius, you're probably not a genius. You know, it's yeah. It's it's got to be self evident, really. At the end of the day, do you think the guy with a big pant load? Showing the whole world has to tell everybody he has a big dick. No, man. Proof's in the pudding, right? Yeah. I mean, he's exactly. got it. But but you kind of hit on it. I want to segue into the main topic. Yeah. We live in a country where we can literally change our situation, right? We can we, – we're blessed to live in this this nation that – I mean, today we can – it's hip to complain about it. We can complain about everything that's going on politically, blah, 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 blah. Oh, I'm moving to Canada or I'm going to move here if this happens or I don't get my way. That's not democracy, and that's just that's whining, right? 
it doesn't matter who's in office. You're going to have somebody else in office in 48 years, 48 years, and we're going to have more balance. It's going to shift again and it'll mm-hmm. always kind of be back and forth. And this country is still going to be amazing, mm-hmm. right? It's ridiculous. It's still going to be great. So on that note, the very first episode I did of this podcast, Josh, I don't know if you listened to it. It was the one where it was just sort of an introduction of myself. Mm-hmm. And I talked a little bit about my childhood and my dad and my upbringing. You know, what makes, not what makes me me, but some of what contributed to who I am, I think. I thought that um, was a amazing podcast. It was, it was pretty powerful stuff, man. It was, uh, I'd never heard you guys, you and Zach talk in that way before. Yeah. And it, uh, you know, it moved me. I thought it was really, uh, really good. So, you know, definitely go back and listen to that if you, if you haven't yet, but. Especially if you guys are a fan of the BTM stuff or, or the stuff that Zach is on, because I made the ultimate troll weep mm-hmm. and he actually shut down and got serious for, uh, for an hour or two. So it was pretty neat. But anyway, so I came from a place that to me at the time, or at a time felt pretty hopeless, right? I was young. I didn't have anything going on. It was at times desperate. It was at times very, very depressing. And it just painted a very inaccurate picture of what a family should be, of what an upbringing should be. And I just didn't know. I'm, I'm a kid. I'm very young. I don't really know what's normal. I watch TV, right? You see Full House. I'm like, is that what a family's supposed to be? Or, you know, or is my family how a family's supposed to be? You know, is my, is my, is Full House the way it should be or is Roseanne the way it should be? But anyway, on that podcast, I talked a lot about my father and I don't, Honestly, I don't remember how much in detail I got about all that stuff. I know I talked about all the, the, the negative stuff that went on, but ultimately I think I did touch on the fact that we got to move on. And that's part of the whole New Year's resolution with everything. You got to move on. If there's anything holding you back, whatever your progress is you want to make in life. Sometimes if people, if, if, if events in your life are, are holding back your personal growth, you got to let it go and you got to forgive. So I think on that first one, I did mention that. I've long, long since forgiven my dad who's passed away. He passed away in mm-hmm. 2011. He passed away of cancer. And I, I forgave him before that. I, I remember being 20 years old and thinking hard on it. I'm like, you know what? I am pretty sure my dad has his reasons, right? He did a lot of horrible things. He was at the, he was the worst example while also being the best example, if that makes sense, right? Because I live my life now based <clears throat> on his mistakes. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, you know, what would my dad do in this situation? Oh, okay. I'll do the, I'll do the opposite. Or luckily my dad would do certain things and I retained how I felt when he would do those things and they stick with me. It's like, well, I would never, for example, cheat on somebody because I remember what that was like on my mom. Mm-hmm. That sucked. So it's good that I remember those things. So lessons are always very valuable if you don't forget them. Well, I think it's interesting that you bring that up to you because there's two types of people. There's the type of people who grew up in a broken home with a bad parent or bad parents, both or whatever, and they just become that person. And then there's the other type of person who observes that type of behavior and goes, that's exactly what I'm not supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you you use that as a guideline through your life to be a better person, even though you know you have some of those traits inherently inside you. Uh, you try to use those negative experiences from 
family problems or whatever you observe growing up and apply them as a sort of like, uh, I don't know, like a guide to, to mm-hmm. how to do better, what not, how not to treat people. Like if, oh, if I ever have kids someday, I'm not going to do this, you know? Well, I can count my blessings that I was mature enough to notice those things mm-hmm. and to be able to have a little bit of foresight on where a certain path could take me, mm-hmm. right? I, and, and there's situations like that, upbringings like that could take people in one of two ways. You could continue on like your father's past or whoever it is that's setting that example. You could literally repeat history, mm-hmm. pick up those bad habits, even if, even if you still resent where that stuff came from. It's funny how people still copy those acts, right? Yeah, Even though it's they compulsory or something, it's just, it's embedded in their, um, their psyche somehow. And it just comes out, you know, or you can acknowledge it and you could, like we were just talking about, break the cycle more or less. Mm-hmm. And anyway, so, and I believe me, I had that moment myself and I'm, I'm blessed to have said that I'm blessed that it happened so early. I think I was like 16 and I saw the writing on the wall. Mm. You know, I had my anger issues, you know, and I realized, I realized in my case, I was just treating my, my little siblings the exact way my, my father was treating me at the time. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, you don't even notice it. It's like, God, I was so blind to it. I'm so focused on how much I'm a punching bag and I'm just turning around and I'm, I'm bullying and taking out aggressions and losing my temper over little things on other people that are once again, smaller than myself. And, you know, I had a big moment. I had a big uh, outburst one day where I just totally lost myself in a white rage. And luckily, I got a cold stare in the mirror and I nipped it in the bud mm-hmm. and I changed it. Right. I changed it. And it is. It's doable. So, you know, I, I might have talked about this in the first episode, but I'll reiterate anybody that's in a relationship right now. And I'm not trying to be fucking Dr. Phil here. I'm not a doctor. I'm just talking from a guy from experience. But on the on the same note, I don't think Dr. Phil has ex- personal hands-on experience with this stuff. I just think he talks about it a lot. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So just, just take it for what it is. I'm just a person who has some experience. But if you're in a relationship, let's say, let's say you're a girl. I mean, it could go either way though, but traditionally, let's say you're a girl and you're with a guy who you love, and it could be great 95% of the time. But there's that other 5% area where a bad temper rears its head, mm-hmm. you know, and that person becomes another person, and he kind of breaks. I don't know if that's come on from alcohol or from just a natural bad temper. Or there's some bipolar. I don't know what. But regardless, he does something that's not in his typical character. Maybe he hits you, right? Maybe he hits your child. Maybe he breaks stuff. Maybe he throws somebody down the stairs. And once he sort of purges all that energy out of him after he's done something like that, well, then all of a sudden clarity strikes him. Oh, I'm so sorry. Like, mm-hmm. and, 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 and once again, it's the last time it'll ever happen, right? And there's a lot of empty apologies of, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, that's, you know where I get that. You know, that's my dad. I'm so sorry. It'll never happen again. I love you. Blah, blah, blah. My thing is, I get it. I mean, the obstacle is going to be varying in difficulty from person to person, but I feel like I'm proof of it that if you're smart enough to acknowledge where stuff is coming from or where it derived from, you're smart enough to do something about it, right? You're smart enough to break the cycle and just to not fucking do it. Otherwise, it's a crutch. It's an excuse. Mm-hmm. So anyway, now, <clears throat> and like I said, 
I acknowledged that's how I got to my peace with it. And I forgave my dad, even though he never said he was sorry for anything. And there was a point in my life where I did want that secretly. It's like, you know, I kind of want some resolution here. I wish he would just say he was sorry. I wish he would just say, dude, I know that feeling so well. I really do. It's like, look, secretly and quietly in my head, I know you fucked up. And I think my dad has to know he fucked up. Like, will we just please talk about it? I just want to hear you say, look, I'm sorry. And you know what? As an added bonus, I could take or leave it. But if you would just throw in one, I love you too. Because mm-hmm. I never, or, or I'm proud of you. Yeah. Right? That stuff is important to kids. Right? Um, now, I've done okay without it. I would have liked to have had that. But there came a point when I was like 19 or 20 that I just, I accepted my dad for what he was. He was a very stern guy. He had no emotion. It wasn't in his style. He didn't smile, let alone vocalize what he was feeling, right? <laughs> so I understood that was probably a really tall order to ask or expect of him. But you know what? Later in his life, because I'm a lot older than my youngest siblings, you know, there's 10 of us in our clan. So, and I'm at the top. And I kind of saw how he was treating the younger batch of kids. And, and that was good enough for me. I just, I saw it. I saw him and his actions with them. It never really cascaded to me at all. Like my time was done with him basically, right? It never got resolved, but I saw how he was acting with the younger kids. And you know what? Through those actions, I could kind of see, you know what? That's a guy that has to be sorry, right? He has to be sorry because he's doing things a little bit different. Mm. And and I and I took that for what it was. And I'm like, you know what? That's good enough for me. I forgive him because I assume that the reason why he was the way he was, it, it has to do with something that I know nothing about. There, There's a reason. There's usually a reason for everything. <laughs> yeah, sure. And, and I'm not going to say that it excuses it because I do believe everybody has to take responsibility and ownership for their actions regardless of where you think it maybe stems from. But at least I could have an understanding of the guy. Mm-hmm. It's like, and, and, and that pretty much was drawn at, I don't know what it is, but I have to assume it was something and there's a reason for it. And I got to be over it. I got to forgive you. You know what? Deep down, I'm going to, I'm going to love you. I'm going to assume you love me. And that's just going to be the best it's going to be. So I always assumed that there was something. So, and, and before I get too much into me, the reason why I wanted Josh James on this podcast is because, you know, we kind of share a little bit of this. You obviously had a little bit of an upbringing with your father. I don't know much about it at all, man. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, I think it's interesting because I think you and I kind of began this, have a realization. We've been friends for like what, a couple of years now, you know, yeah. and begin to realize like a little bit here, a little bit there that we both had shitty dads and not maybe the best, you know, family life growing up. Like my parents got divorced when I was like really young. I was like three or four. One of my earliest memories was, you know, my father being blind, drunk, screaming, my parents fighting me and my sister hiding underneath the table, you know, like terrified. Uh, and shortly after, after that, you know, the, the divorce coming and then the custody battles. And, you know, when you're a kid, you just assume that everything happening around you is just kind of the, the way it is. It's normally because you don't have any frame of reference to compare anything to. Until you get a little older and you go on sleepovers and you see other yeah. people's families. Oh, like, absolutely. Oh, what? Uh, that's, for me, especially when I started dating 
certain, you know, when I got older, started dating and seeing these girls with their families and how, you know, maybe not perfect, but how they just functioned completely different. Oh, they were functioning, not dysfunctional, essentially. Because mm-hmm. I spent the majority of my childhood being raised uh, with my sister by, by my mother, you know, a single mother. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, I mean, I, I think we began to realize we had some things in common and just in terms of having, you know, issues with our dads and having growing up with an asshole essentially for father. Like mine was my dad's main thing was just that he was, you know, a a selfish, narcissistic alcoholic uh, who was mainly verbally abusive, but could be physically abusive if pushed to the point. Like I remember in his second marriage, my dad's been married like four times, by the way. Uh, in his second marriage, I remember when I was a kid being over at his house, um, for visitation, like on a weekend, you know, and having, uh, a strange woman come over and pick up me and my sister and my, my half sister and taking us out for ice cream. Well, that had whole thing came together because my father had gotten drunk and pushed my stepmom down the stairs when she was pregnant with my brother, you know, CPS. That never that happened. Well, no, it was uh, it was my stepmom's friend that she called that, oh, came, gotcha. that lived down the street that came and got us. So, um, yeah, it was just like, but to me, I seem to have more of a last lackadaisical attitude about it. I was really able to roll with it. Uh, it had a really bad effect on my sister, who really struggles in her adult life dealing with a lot of the events from our childhood and stuff. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, he was an abusive a douchebag who you know it, it was really just a, a man with a broken ego for whatever reason um who used alcohol as a crutch and uh you know he was able to show love in his own way i mean in the earlier days i think he really felt a lot of guilt so there was a lot of showering with you know things and you know he was able to say i love you and stuff like that but he was never able to really own up to any of his mistakes he still doesn't. I mean, he's never said, I'm sorry for anything. He's one of those people who externalizes his own internal issues by blaming other people or blaming situations. Um, you know, just very cowardly in that way. Um, and, you know, much like you, as I got older and I went out to the world, I just sort of became my own entity and I distanced myself from that. But every now and then I would try to go back and spend some time with him and see where he was in his life. And it was always the same bullshit. I mean, even if he was uh, sober at that time, uh, he was still a fucking asshole, you know? Uh, maybe not as uh, ruthless as what you make your dad sound like, because it almost sounds like your dad was somewhat malicious sometimes. Uh, my father was more... Um, I think it was almost like a in, self-destructive uh, involuntary <laughs> response, you know, just sort of like his mm-hmm. weakness uh, and his faulty ego uh, always caused him to have these like uh, incidents with people around him, you know? Um, so, you know, as I got older and we got together, I just realized, man, man, this dude is just toxic. I don't need it in my life. My life is hard enough as it is. And I mean, every time we get together, it would just be some new thing. Um, some new problem. And, you know, I, I realized that I was never going to get the father that I wanted. I never was going to get the relationship that I wanted as an equal or just as somebody to look up to who's never like any kind of role model or anything. Uh, I was only going to get things taken away. 
you know, mm-hmm. because there's always that little tiny thing in your psyche that says, how much of myself am I like is like him, you know? So you're always yeah. like comparing yourself. I mean, it's such a natural thing for a, for a man, for a boy uh, to compare themselves to their father and, uh, you know, want to look as to their father as a role model. Well, that, you know, went out the window, but I was like, well, can I have some kind of um, man to man relationship with this person? And I just realized you know, it's just not worth it to me. And I'll never get the apologies for the bullshit he pulled because he won't even acknowledge it as something that uh, that was ever his fault, you know? So I definitely can relate to that feeling that you have of like, you know, it's never going to be, it's, I'm never going to get the closure in this relationship and it's never going to improve. And you just have to walk past it and find your sort of own destiny, you know? Well, I, th- I like to think that if my dad was still alive today, that maybe we will have would have gotten to that point. Mm-hmm. I always want to think the older he was getting, the closer and closer we were approaching to, you know, that sort of relationship. I don't know if it would have ever happened, but I don't want to think of my father. I don't want to associate the word malice, right? I don't. Because even though the things he was doing was really hurtful, you know, in, in all sense of the word. I still think it was, it was driven by personality flaw, stuff like a personality flaw. It was driven by personal stuff. There was some kind of personal damage within him. He was very self-destructive. He was self-destructive to the point where other people got hurt in the process. Right. So mm. if he hurt somebody in my family, like my mom, it was usually having to do with drugs, mm. right? There was something else. It wasn't like he woke up that day and he was thinking, you know what? I fucking hate these people. I'm going to fucking beat the shit. No, it was all, it was always something else pulling the strings. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, now, and like I said, I really implore everybody, if, if you're listening to this commentary and you haven't listened to the first episode too, because I don't want to go and retread everything, but it's sort of a companion piece to that one. But like I said, I always just gave my dad the benefit of the doubt that, you know what? As I got older, I began to figure things out a little bit more for myself. When you're a kid, you know, your, your parents are, are, they're deities, mm-hmm. you know, they yeah. hang, they hung the moon, mm-hmm. they, you know, they're just, they're superheroes now or supervillains. Now they're not. And I, as I got a little older and I started thinking for myself on it more, I, my goal was to humanize my dad. I just wanted to humanize mm-hmm. him and come to some level of understanding Maybe not why, mm-hmm. you know, what are the particular reasons he's like this, but just understanding that, you know what, he's human. There's, there's something there. Anyway, this is what I really want to talk about. And this is super hard to talk about. And this is part of the reason why we haven't had this episode. I, I've been talking about doing an episode like this for months and it's just really hard to discuss. Oh, yeah. And it's super sensitive, this mm-hmm. next part. And I just, it's always worrisome because there's many, many angles to this story of what I'm about to talk about here. There's definitely a second part to it. And at this time, I can't really talk about the second part. I don't, because mm-hmm. it's tricky when it involves other people. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm keeping, I'm going to say what I feel is important and it, and it involves my father who's passed on and it's 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 obviously it's not it's not involving anybody that's direct you know what i mean it's 
it's just really scary territory. And mm-hmm. it's just, I, I, I was. Makes people very uncomfortable, you know? I was struggling with it. I was mm-hmm. like, man, there is a story here that I think <clears throat> can honor someone like my dad, right? Because he could help people and help me and help maybe even those people that did know him understand him and why the way he was. Now, I'm not saying he would be looking for that understanding. You know, it's understanding. I don't, I, I, but I don't know. I like the idea of my dad humanized. The stuff I can tell you and that I will tell you, it makes me understand him a little bit more and it makes me see him as a person. And I'm like, oh, well, see, that's what I always hoped was there. Mm. That's what I always assumed was there. And now it makes me level with you a little bit, right? And it helps me not be so upset about it. So it's a good thing. But like I said, there's definitely things that can be elaborated on and it goes in other places. But then we start getting into darker territory you know it's not as it's not as friendly and it's just like i said it uh it involves people and there's no way i could even mask it right there's no way i could even mask uh, like okay well this is jane doe if you listen to the story you could pretty much put two and two together who the people are i'd be talking to talking about so i'll just save that for another time and see if there's any way i can talk about it but anyway for this one so here we go a couple of, maybe a year ago. I don't know. We'll just call it a year ago. I visited my family, right? I live in Arizona, everybody. And I traveled to the Midwest to visit my family. And I was having a talk with my mother. And I'll put it out there. I love my mother to death, right? I love my mother to death. Even though neither one of them were perfect, a lot of the a lot of the behavior on both sides of it was very enabling, but at the end of the day, as an adult, I see that my mom was just a victim of manipulation. You know, I could ask all day long, well, why did you let this happen? Why did you let that happen? I understand as an adult that it's not that easy because I've, I've known many people who are, who fall victim of manipulation mm-hmm. and how and how fragile our minds mm-hmm. can be. So I don't hold that stuff against her. I think she always loved us. But anyway, so I was having a late night chat with my mom, like we do whenever I do go into town. And she confided something in me. She confided in something into me that, I, I don't know, it was it was kind of a revelation. But at the same time, it was like, oh, okay. And it was something that I always in the back of my mind was, you know, suspect over. But she said, now my dad didn't talk to her either. You'd think that, okay, well, he at least confided in his wife. No, I could easily say that, you know, everybody's situation is different. Josh, your parents got divorced at a young age, and I know that could be horrible for some families. On the flip side, I think my family would have benefit benefited from them getting divorced because mm-hmm. they, they just had the toxic to end all toxic relationships. Sure. And, and that's where a lot of bitterness came. My dad felt, I think my dad felt chained down with all this responsibility and yet he kept contributing to it. He kept having more kids and kept fucking up more and more and more. Mm-hmm. He kept, it was like, it was seriously self destructive. I'm like, you're creating more and more the thing you're mad at, you know? And so I think a lot of resentment was born out of that. But anyway, no, but he didn't talk to her either. I always said he was born in 1986 with me because he was a phantom before that. I never knew about my dad. And it always creeped me out. I'm like, why don't I know about you? Why Why do I have no stories to, to pass on? I don't, I don't know what his life was like. I don't, I knew nothing. And which that was always trigger number one. Like, okay, well, there's obviously some shit there. 
And there's a reason why. Okay. So we had this talk and my mom said, very much not in the fashion of my dad, that before he passed away, at some point before he passed away, he did. He did buckle down and have a a talk with her. He confided in her. And, and I, it, you know, I think the way she describes it is that it did get a little emotional. You know, there may or may not have been a little booze involved on my dad's part. But regardless of how it got out, it got out. He confided in my mom and he told her that he was molested a lot. And so when she tells me that stuff, I'm like, oh, okay, now mm-hmm. it all makes sense. Everything makes sense now. Yeah. And I felt horrible for him. So, and even talking about this stuff is very tricky because it, it runs the risk of doxing certain people. But this, I have to talk about this part because I think this is very beneficial to someone like my dad. So whatever. But he grew up, he didn't have an easy childhood, I guess. So my grandmother, his mother, we didn't have the greatest relationship with her. She was rather abusive back in the day too. And she was very manipulative and you could kind of, and we always figured that too, because I lived with her for a time and I'm like, you know what? If my dad was raised by this woman, you know, I can kind of see the workings here because she was not all there. But I guess when he was a little kid, she was still sowing wild oats or something. She was, uh, I guess, a bit loose, right? You know, my my dad, I think, was the product of probably a one-night stand. He didn't know his dad. He was ultimately adopted later on by someone else. You know, my last name that you see on this title card, that's not my blood last name, if you really want. I guess my blood last name would be York, technically. But anyway, so when he was really little, she... While she was working and probably paying the rent and stuff, when she wasn't doing those things, she was constantly at the bars and at hotel rooms with guys. And she was never at home with my dad. And so he would be left alone with his uncle. Now, his uncle lived with them too. He was involved in an accident when he was young. When he was a child, he got into a bike wreck and he hit his head really hard and apparently it did something it knocked something loose and he had permanent brain damage and he had this condition where he was almost like stunted you know he was almost kind of a child and he pretty much always needed to be taken care of he would never ever be independent he'd always have to be passed on to somebody somebody would have to take care of him and to this day he lives with her and he's probably 60 years old anyway she used to go out and do her thing and leave him home alone as like a three-year-old or whatever with him. And that's, he said that, uh, this, this person would, uh, molest him on, you know, often enough. I don't really know the number, right? But that makes total sense to me. You add that on to the fact that he, my mom also told me that, uh, one Christmas morning, he woke up and saw his mother, my grandmother, after a suicide attempt in front of the Christmas tree. I mean, is that not some Silent Night, Deadly Night shit? That's uh, that's pretty uh, hardcore, man. That I can understand why that would cause some problems, some need for therapy, you know? Some scarring? Some Yeah, it, it, that's some Silent Night, Deadly Night shit. Mm-hmm. So anyway, when you factor in things like that, especially... 
sexual abuse, man, it just, everything falls into place. It explains why my dad was so silent all the time. Mm-hmm. He had no emotion. He, he sounds was, like he maybe had a real issue with uh, anger, you know? He had, he had an issue with anger, definitely. He, it makes sense why he had to have those vices from a young age, you know, and he acted out, you know, alcohol and drugs from a teen. And I'm just, like I said, playing Dr. Phil here. I don't know, but I have to imagine that it's one thing to say, okay, look, can you, if you, if you could just sort of, like I said, imagine that you're in that situation. Mm-hmm. And from a young age, we're talking three, four, and five years old, that stuff is happening to you. How that's going to fuck up your development, you know, along the way, right? And of course, back in those days, there was no real easy outlet to any kind of therapy or psychiatry or whatever you might need. It's, you know, something to help you uh, to digest those crazy you know internally, uh, instinctually that they're fucked up and wrong from an early mm-hmm. age, but there's no real outlet to talk about it with anybody. So y'all, you're just left to internalize those terrible things and find a way to deal with it, right? And I'm sure they exactly. make you angry because it's this constant phantom in your childhood that, that plagues you, you know? I could only imagine it was plaguing him, and I could only imagine that he got used to from a, from a young age, especially like when puberty hit and you're really starting to – that he got pretty accustomed to just – shoving that stuff down mm-hmm. and it probably waged a war in his mind and he shut down in a certain way he, you know he didn't show emotion he it makes sense why he, play, he constantly played the tough guy like the scary guy he was this dude where he always had this stone cold look on his face where you didn't know if he was a chef or if he was a contract killer like right. what are what story is your face telling i have no idea uh, you know how they always say uh, – I don't know if you've ever heard the expression, like, killers are quiet or things like that. He – I don't know. He had that look about him, that aura about him. Like, dude, I, I think this guy is going to kill me in his sleep. Mm-hmm. It's not like he says anything rude to me. He doesn't do anything. He just has this demeanor about him and he's super cold and I don't know what it is. But I get it. I mean, he got so used to bottling that stuff up and acting a certain way. And mm-hmm. you know what? I hate to say it, but can you imagine – I'm trying to think like them. I'm trying to put myself in that situation. Can you imagine what that's got to do to your head, a little boy's head, when you're trying to go through puberty and you had shit like this happen before you had your natural time to sort mm-hmm. of like discover sexuality? And Well, you have a, de- a really important developmental period when you're coming of age, you know, especially I yeah. think as a boy. I mean, girls experience things that may be a little bit different when they hit that puberty you know, and you, you're forming your body's changing, but you're forming a new identity. Uh, you know, your 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 whole body's going crazy. Your your mental uh, capacity is changing. The chemicals in your brain are changing, and all that. And you're forming new behaviors. You know, and so if you're trying to internalize all these like really horrible things that have happened or things that you've witnessed, and there's you're not getting any help. Uh, through those sort of things, then yeah, I mean, I can understand when you're saying your dad had a very uh, cold exterior because I'm I get accused of that myself personally a lot by people, and uh, it, it probably was like a sort of uh, self defense. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was more than just an exterior. My dad would be incapable of doing what you and I are doing right now: mm-hmm. talking, having a podcast, dude. No, it 
it went more than just the exterior. You know, it was, it was, he said little, mm-hmm. you know, he, he, you didn't know what he was thinking. He always looked angry. He always looked, I don't know. I, it, I'd have to show you some pictures sometime, but anyway, yeah, you get to that certain point in your maturity where you're naturally supposed to, you know, come into your own sexually, or you're trying to figure out just who you are in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, you, you're supposed to have a, a healthy male and female role model there to nurture you through those times to, you know, to develop into a healthy human being, you know? But can you imagine getting to that point where you're supposed to be at naturally? And then there was already somebody that threw a wrench into the works years before, mm-hmm. right? They already started fucking messing up the blueprints yeah. early. Yeah. And so I think I like to think that's maybe where my father's toxic masculinity. I don't want to throw around that term too much. Obviously, it's really hip these days. But my dad was a womanizer, right? Mm-hmm. He he had this excessive nature with drugs, with alcohol, with whatever it was, but with women too. He cheated on my mom all the time, mm-hmm. all the time. And I don't know if this is a hundred percent everything, but I'm like I said, all I can do is try and put my put myself in his shoes maybe maybe if like if i was in the situation he was where i had a fucked up development and i life's confusing as it is figuring out who you are and where you belong i can't imagine having that stuff going on now maybe my dad was in a situation where he's like uh i don't know how to say it it's really tough but can you imagine as a straight guy and i'm not saying anything against straight, gay, or whatever. I'm just saying, let's say you are a straight guy and your first sexual experience, you're trying to develop, you know, who you are as a straight person naturally. And your first sexual experience was with a guy. Mm -hmm. Now, and I know the way my dad was. My dad used a lot of insensitivities. He was, uh, you know, a lot of derogatory terms, a lot of put downs. Everything was weak, 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 weak. Like you're weak. You're a pussy. You're weak. You're weak. You know, uh, when he would be dishing out a beating, it was to toughen you up. That was his, his fallback. Like what? No, what? You know? And I just, I think it was all compensating. Right. Sure. Absolutely. And, and and I'm thinking like, I'm a man, I'm a man, I'm a man, I'm a man, right? I'm tough. I'm a man, no feelings, you know, whatever. I have to wash away those bad incidents from early on. Right. Also, it's like, okay, maybe my first experiences were very unconventional. So maybe if I fuck enough chicks, I can wash away that one thing. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can, exactly. I, I can, I can just prove to myself that I, that I'm a true, that I'm a real man and that I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm yeah, exactly. And I'm, just, I'm not the product of a, a, you know, being molested by a, uh, one of my uncles in my family or something, because I'm sure that would make you question yeah. your sexuality, you know? Well, it doesn't define me or whatever, just, but it was overcompensating everywhere. It was just, like I said, the womanizing front, the cheating and the infidelity and just, Everything, man. Uh, it's just, dude, I, I like to joke sometimes that I didn't even know my real name until I was probably 15. I always assumed it was dumbass or pussy or, you know, expletive delete. It was just, everything was such a put down. And I realized now that, wow, all these things, all these names and even some harsher names that I won't even talk about on this podcast, all these things he used to throw out could have easily been associated with somebody like my dad had people known 
what had happened to him, right? Mm-hmm. Like, let's say, you know, you're being bullied or what? You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm trying to get at? Yeah, oh, absolutely. I totally understand. It's like, wait a second. We're fragile, yet you went through the situation where, you know, you have every right to feel fragile. And, you know, it's, it's, I, you might be throwing the F bomb at me or, you know, cause I'm weak, you know, the, the F, you know, I don't like, I'm not trying to expletive deletes for gay people. Right. Dude, in the context of the conversation, it would make sense because I'm sure your dad probably called you a faggot at some point, you know, I mean, well, he would joke. Yeah. He would, he would use those things. And, but it usually came off as like weakness and man, like, dude, I just, I can't even, I can't even really detail it hardcore, but it just makes so much sense. Yeah. It was all these things you could tell that it was serious deflection. Mm-hmm. It's like, whoa. I mean, do, let me can, let me ask you this real quick. Do you think that your dad like ever had any um, instinct to know that he's just continuing the cycle of abuse or could he just not help himself or did he think he was doing you guys a favor by trying to make, you know. I think he made excuses. You know, he, when he would when he would be, there was times where he would unleash and he'd lose his temper and he would literally chase me into a room and start, I, dude, I, I knew the drill. I could almost see my dad when he was going to, I almost knew when he was going to snap to a point. I'm like, okay, I, I, I feel the signs. It's going to happen. All right, there it is. Now operation run into the room, get in the fetal position. Cause he's going to go for the head. Right. <laughs> so I, I almost knew the drill at a point, but anyway, in the midst of like a beating or his like outrage and his tirades, you'd have my mom, you know, who was kind of like olive oil or something back in the day, you know, she, or, or the shining, right. She was Wendy Torrance or whatever. Right. You know, she, you know, was crying and she was begging my dad to stop, but maybe wasn't exactly calling the cops. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's this weird in, in between place. She was really in a tough situation. Well, back in those days, man. And you know, you and I are close to the same age, but back in those days, you know, you handle your, your family problems inside the bubble. And maybe you brought in an outside family member or friend to help, but you didn't go, you didn't go to the government, you know, on, on, you didn't go to the state to intervene immediately. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think a lot of fi- families, you know, they dealt with their problems on their own. And uh, there wasn't a lot of, it wasn't as easily accessible either to, you know, I, I mean, I think most people want to protect their own anyway even if it is an abusive, manipulative situation because they don't want to deal with the stigma of, you know, maybe being outed or having strangers deal, be exposed to your sensitive problems and, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense that, you know, this continued on or whatever. But when he would have a situation like that in the middle of one of his outrages or beatings or maybe when it was over, I heard many times over the same old excuse it was something to the effect of, look, they might not love me, but they will respect me. Like, like I'm toughening them up. I'm trying, I'm making them tough. I'm like, what? And I'm just thinking, right. What? Well, that's what I say. But maybe your dad thought he was doing a good thing. I don't think so. Mm. You think it was, it was lazy. It was, it was just, dude, it was just another mask to hide all his personal shit. It was another, it was another mask just to, that was, contributing to his denial or him repressing his stuff that was it because the only i didn't know much about him like i said the one story i did know because my mom did tell me this she said that uh his adopted dad he 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 would say i came home for school one day 
and for no reason at all, my 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 dad, you know, his stepdad, told me, you know what? For the next three weeks, I'm gonna beat the fuck out of you when you get home. Just 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 to, just to toughen him up. Supposedly, that's what my dad said. Like he said, right. there's no reason at all. He he just announced it. He said, mm-hmm. you know what? Starting tomorrow, I'm gonna beat the fuck out of you every day. And he said, I, he's like, no shit. He was a man to his word. That guy fucking tore my hide and did whatever. And like, can you imagine how terrifying that would be? I mean, I'm sure you know to a certain level, but I mean, it sounds like that's a whole nother degree of of just total fear control, you know? I don't know because I just think all that stuff was – it was just another way for him to hide behind his, his personal shit, his baggage, mm-hmm. right? Because I think when I saw him before he passed away, which he wasn't old before he passed away. I think he was 44. It's crazy. It's it's going to be a weird thing getting to the age my dad was when he died. Like, mm-hmm. Holy fuck. Yeah. But you know it's it's funny you bring that up real quick just a side note like you know I'm 41 and to think about the person that my father was when he was 41 it's just it mm-hmm. it blows my mind, you know. We're yeah. so different. Uh but yeah, you know, I, mean, I can understand that feeling. It's, it ties into your sense of mortality in a way, you know, but uh I would say you're probably uh, on a way better track than he was, uh, you know, at that point in his life. So, dude, I'm 32, going on 33 at this point in my dad's life. He had six kids, right? Right. All stuff, all sorts of stuff going on, and all sorts of stress. And well, I mean, like just a little side conversation, real quick. I want to have with you is because I think about this myself. I don't know if it's like a generational thing or because of the way the world is right now, but I mean, I don't have kids either. And it's not because I never wanted to, and I've never been married either. It's not because I haven't been wanted to get married, but do you ever feel like, you know, maybe you're avoiding having a family because of all this, you know, terrible traumatic family stuff that happened or the things that your father did when you were a kid? Like, I don't want to say avoid is the word. I can definitely say that it's left an impression on me. Not avoid. I don't believe me. I am not my father. I would never do those things. And actually, I think I'd be an awesome dad, but, but it has, it has made me really, really careful and think about it a lot. Cause my dad never did any thinking at all. He just kind of acted and then, you know, mm-hmm. never really took accountability for stuff and just kept doing it. And, what my dad started he got married he got pushed into marriage at a young age 16 god that that is young is that's just way too young that's what i'm saying man every everything was spinning out of control you know my my mom's parents were super conservative christians still are wonderful people but back then they come from a certain school they found out they did the deed as 16 year olds like a lot of 16 year olds do that's probably the average age people lose their virginity you know but and they're like, well, you guys have to get married. So it was a kind of a shotgun wedding kind of situation. Yeah. It, yeah, sort of. And and who knows at the time? And maybe at the time, my parents didn't fight it very much. I don't know. But they're kids. that mm-hmm. you, you need adults there to tell you that that's a bad idea when you're a kid. You know, teenagers right. want to do dumb shit all the time. But all I know is that they were pushing for it. Whether or not my parents were super hesitant at the time or they knew what they were getting themselves into at the time, I don't know, but it happened. Which is so funny, though, dude, because, like, you know, nowadays, uh, if you had a kid that was 16 that got pregnant in high school, I don't think any parent would encourage the 
couple to get married because that just seems like compounding the problem. It's like, oh, well, you know, you know, it's funny is my mom didn't get pregnant. They just had sex. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I misunderstood. <laughs> yeah. No, well, I'm saying that's even worse, right? There was no baby even. Okay. Okay. Sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm putting the pieces of the puzzle together. Sorry. Well, well, that's how old school it is, right? There wasn't even a baby involved. Mm-hmm. It was just, oh, you guys did this? All right, you're getting married. Okay. I just assumed because you have a big family that I thought maybe they got started early, but. Well, so it happened. It started happening pretty much soon after that. So they got married and then my parents dropped out of high school, that whole story. My dad dropped out, joined the Navy, right? And so the family just started coming immediately. Life started happening very fast for him. He never really got to enjoy the teenage years all the way. And so I think he just never really grew up and he started acting out. He wasn't ready for that responsibility. He wasn't ready to be a dad. He was still dealing with all that emotional shit that I didn't even know existed. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it was just so, it was like a ceiling coming down on him. God, it's crazy, dude. You don't know. There's so much that you have no clue about when you're 16. I mean, really, you're still a kid. You're a child essentially. Yeah. You know? And it's so funny, man. I, I love, I love my grandparents, my, my mom's parents. I think they're just amazing people and they're the best examples of, of people that um, walk the walk, right? They talk the talk and they walk it too. And they're amazing. And everybody should have the chance to change with time. So I don't think their practices would be the same today as right. they were in the eighties or the seventies. You know, my dad, my grandfather, my mom's father, he used to, for no reason, not for punishment, not for anything, his parents used to make him sit in a chair in the front lawn and read the Bible, read Psalms all day long for so many hours while his friends were playing in the sun. And then he had to come Ugh. in uh, at sundown when dinner time and recite certain passages, right? Uh, yeah, that's that's brutal. It was just a different yeah. place and time. It's not, that sounds more like a 50s thing or something, you know? Well, I mean that my grand it's my grandfather. Right. Was, of course, it was back then. Right, 40s, 40s, 50s, right. Yeah, yeah. Well, my my grandfather, he he went yeah, so that would have been right era. My grandfather was in Vietnam. He was a uh a a pilot, but he trained the pilots. He actually didn't have to fight. He actually got to train the pilots. He kind of mm. got off easy. But anyway, that's just a product of where he he was raised and how he was raised. Anyway, so I don't think they would do those things today. So I don't want to be like, oh my gosh, just, you guys really failed them. I feel bad saying that mm-hmm. because I just think it was a product of the time. But I I really wish they didn't play their hand into like the whole marriage thing. But then again, if they didn't do that, I probably wouldn't be here today. Mm-hmm. But, but another thing too, you know, they – I don't know. There's a lot of pieces to it, and there's a lot of things you could say woulda, coulda, shoulda. This could have been different, or whatever. But they're wonderful people. I'm not even trying to like bring that into it. But well, I mean, all you can really do. I mean, you have to also understand that that the world they were living in back then was completely different, mm-hmm. and the people and the society was completely different. The expectations were not what they are now. I mean, we have so much more of a whimsical sort of society versus, you know, the more buttoned down forties and fifties where, you know, if you were having sex or got pregnant at a young age, I mean, you were, you know, you were basically on the verge of being ostracized and shaming your family, you know? So, you know, they were just dealing with what, you know, had been 
the hand they were dealt uh, at that time period. So, you know, I don't know if maybe it's not, you know, largely uh, rare, you know, for for uh, a lot of people's grandparents to have had some similar experience to that, you know. Yeah, as a product of the time, and, and they, like I said, I don't think they they wouldn't do the same thing today. So it just it's just all very unfortunate. But anyway, that aside, it was just a snowball effect from there. Mm-hmm. And my dad, not only like you mentioned, not only did he not have access to things like therapy and ways of coping with all the stuff that he was already probably dealing with at the time, but he just pretty much transitioned right into being a family and having to, you know, take care and provide for a family. It's, he didn't even have any time to think of himself, let alone the people that he was supposed to be responsible for. Oh yeah. It, yeah. it was just weird. Dude, it totally blows my mind that there's people out there, you go to high school, they graduate, uh, maybe some go to college, but there's a, a large percentage of young Americans that just graduate high school and start a family and don't even think about, you know, they don't think about what the, uh, what that really means, what the, what the responsibilities are. It's just kind of what you do and you just, they just go out and they figure out, figure it out as they go along. And, um, that might be a successful model, but it's for some people, but for others, it's definitely, uh, I think a challenge. I mean, God, the burdens uh, and the responsibilities of being married for one, and then automatically having a, uh, a human being to raise and take care of when you don't really know anything, you have no life experience to fall back on. You know, it's it's crazy, especially if if uh, let's say that you know hypothetical couple had bad parents on both sides. It's like well, they have no idea what they're doing. It's like the blind leading the blind, right? The horse, the the horse before the cart, kind of, or the cart before the horse. And uh, it's a recipe for disaster. Uh, so I think you end up with a lot of people who are unfortunately damaged in some way, you know? Well, one of my biggest pet peeves in this world, it's it's when people don't take accountability. You know, they fail to acknowledge that their actions have consequences, even if it's not with them directly. Maybe it, uh, you know, cascades onto other people. My dad would never take responsibility for things so for he was always blaming other people or events so for example you know there was times where i heard in the midst of him being abusive or drunk and belligerent i was the reason right i was the reason why he wasn't a doctor my mom was the reason why he wasn't this it was always somebody else's fault no 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 what it is right right my dad was really smart he got great grades in high school you know he prop for all i know he probably had a 4.0 but guess what he dropped out i think two weeks before graduation and guess why that was that wasn't because he he didn't have a, he was married he got married but he he dropped out to be a rebel because he was mad because he was mad at the world he dropped out to be rebellious probably as a result of the marriage thing and all that stuff so i'm the reason why he wasn't a, my mom was the reason why he was no 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 just because you get something thrown into your lap doesn't mean just you get a shit card doesn't mean you lose the fucking whole game. You know, you just change the way you play. Well, you know, everything is a combination of your own personal self choices in life. And, you know, you choose to go left instead of right or whatever. It, you can't blame the innocent for how you've chosen to conduct your life over the course of however many years, you know, I mean, 
you should have like a, a feeling of empathy for these people that you've brought into a world that you've created, you know? Well, another thing too, when I don't really know how it all works, so I don't want to speak out of school, but I guess he was excelling really well in his time in the Navy and the tests he was taking and his performance. Basically, he had what it took to really go the distance with that too, really, because he was right. he was right. a force, man. He was a strong guy and he was the kind of guy you want as like a Navy SEAL to say. He's a guy that'll kill people and not fucking think about it mm. the next second. He really was like, man, like, well, this guy, this dog's already broken. He's perfect. <laughs> I think, uh, well, maybe what you're saying, it was, uh, you know, in that sort of scenario, a man of commitment, you know, like he probably would have followed through. But like I said, you know what, I imagine certain areas of the military, they want to, they want to break in some dogs and make them a certain way, uh, toughen them up. The work was already done. Well. I mean, it really was. Yeah. I don't know. But so case in point though, he had what it took to go all the way with that and he had an opportunity, but you know what? He got my mom pregnant with me, right? And that was my fault too. And he got himself kicked out. You know, he- Wait, how is that your fault? <clears throat> dude, you're telling me, I don't know. <laughs> but I'm saying, that's that's what I'm saying. Like, how is that my fault? Like, wait, wait, this is not taking ownership. You could have still did that. You could have provided for both kids. Okay, great. He's like, I had to, I had to get myself kicked out of the military so I could provide for another mouth to feed. Like, wait, wait, mm-hmm. but this still all stems from you not using protection. Am I missing something? Like, what? What? It, it, the story of it all, right? He always mm-hmm. blames something else or somebody else. And I'm like, no, this all goes back to you. Like he didn't know in the moment of con- like when he was conceiving you or your brother or sister or whatever that he was taking a risk at throwing his future away to do this in the Navy or whatever. Or or I don't know if they exhausted every option or maybe there was also option that he could have stayed because my mom was living on the base with us. Well, absolutely. I mean, the I, I mean, speaking as a, f- a former Navy guy, I know that they highly encourage family, uh, a family type situation they take care of, I mean, they pay for everything for your family. You don't even have to pay your rent, uh, healthcare, all that's taken care of. They encourage families to, to be brought up in the Navy and the military life. So, I mean, that, that excuse for him dropping out of his call to be a military man has nothing to do with his family life. It's a, it, it was an excuse. It is all an excuse. Is all excuses. To get out. All excuses yeah. for whatever reason. You know, I don't know if it was a confidence thing. You know, we know people that blow away opportunities because secretly deep down they don't think they're good enough, or right. It, right. who knows where it's coming from. But it was just self destructive behavior. But fast forward to all that. All of it's done. My dad lived his life. My dad's passed away. Listen to the first episode of this series. You could see why he sort of paid his price 10 times over, right? He was broken down yet again and rebuilt, and he paid the ultimate price by my sister passing away and him having to deal with that, and I witnessed it all. Yeah, that that story about your sister was – that was hardcore, man. That was – And it makes you – and it makes me feel – and I – Believe me, I sympathize with my dad for the first time ever. I'm like, wow, that that was the first step into like mm-hmm. him being humanized. Like, whoa, right, right, whoa, this guy's not just some monster with no feelings. That no, he's a flesh and blood human being. But anyway, like I said, I always assumed, you know, the whole you never walk in another man's shoes. You don't really know everything that's going on. Yada yada yada. I always just gave him the benefit of the doubt that there's mm-hmm. more to the story. There's a reason. There's a reason for all of it. 
I don't know what that is, but I just have to believe that there's a reason because nobody, nobody comes out like that, right? We're just a product. We get molded. We're a product of our upbringing. And this is another thing I could go on for hours if I wanted to. I don't get, I don't give a fuck who you are. I think all adults are responsible for all kids, right? Obviously there's lines there. You don't tell a parent how to raise their kid. You don't cross certain boundaries with somebody else's kid. But ultimately, it's our responsibility to be good examples because you don't know who that youth is. You don't know what he goes home to. You don't know what kind of influences he has in his life. Hopefully, he has good ones. But you know what? If a kid does not have a good influence, he's going to find an influence somewhere and you don't want it to be a bad one. So you might as well be a positive influence. If everybody Mm -hmm. out there was very positive and a good role model for everybody – then that's going to lessen the likelihood that they're going to fall into a bad crowd or they're going to get into some bad stuff. Mm-hmm. So everybody is a product of something. And my dad didn't have much of a chance is what it sounds like. And that's really awful. Well, the thing that sometimes you have to remember is that the person that you maybe demonize as a bad person was once an innocent child. Yeah, absolutely. You know, who started out with, with just a, the basics of being a human being and along the way was poked and prodded into one path or another. And it's almost kind of sad. Uh, so you can almost feel sympathy for these people who have, you know, royally let us down in our life. Um, but you also feel like a resentment towards them for not having the courage to make themselves better. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's the kind of thing that I, try to remember, even though I've, I guess, you know, at this point in my life, I've written my father out of my life because I, you know, the the type of person that he is is so incongruent with who I am as a person that it's just too, I don't need to be shaking the foundation of what I've built up at this point. Um, forgiveness is, uh, you know, something I can do. I feel like without having a relationship with my father, you know, sometimes it's not for the best to have an actual relationship. You know? Yeah, I, I don't think so. Sometimes distance is how I in the last years of my dad's life, my, our relationship was better because it was less. Right. It was distant and mm-hmm. I, it was tolerable. And, I, and like I said, it helped me me being away from them and being on my own and being an adult. It helped me look on it from an outside perspective and sort of come to those you know, mm-hmm. le- places of forgiveness. Like, you know what? I under- I just have to understand that, you know, like I said, somebody, yeah. I think it helped. So, yeah. so basically, I, I don't know. I-, I feel for my dad. I really do. I think he got a raw deal. And, you know, I like I said, I- I'm proud and happy that I was able to forgive him before knowing any of this mm-hmm. stuff. I forgave him before yeah. my sister was born and got sick. So, I'm happy it didn't take all that stuff for me to do that and come to those places. But it helps me, like I said, understand him a little bit more and humanize him a little bit more. And, uh, right. I, I, if I didn't forgive him before, I certainly do it tenfold now. And yeah, it's a shame, man. Cause you could all trace it back to something else. I wish, I wish his mom was better. Mm-hmm. I wish his mom made better choices, but every, every man or woman's responsible for their own actions. My dad still responsible, you know, but where do you draw the line? You know, is, is, uh, his uncle responsible who was mentally challenged. Yeah. Is his mom responsible for making the shitty decision to to do that, you know, and to be a horrible parent? Where, where does it go? 
you know, I don't know. It just it break the cycle. Mm-hmm. I um, you know, I dude, I often tell people in my life that are friends or family members who had the benefit of growing up with parents that were married uh, that, you know, loved them and nurtured them to the best of their abilities that were always there, that were a rock. And I just say to them is like, I, you know, I just put my hand on their shoulder and I say, you have no idea how lucky you are to just have this, mm-hmm. you know, like no matter what you do in your life, like you just got, you hit the lottery. I mean, in terms of like, you know, be, having good parents that looked out for your best interests, that kept your life normal in a way. Uh, you know, those I've always been really envious of people who, you know, grew up in one house their whole life and can go home for the holidays to that one place where they grew up and go back to their old bedroom or whatever. Or, you know, that might be a little, you know, far reaching, but, you know, it happens still. There's people out there who, you know, um, had their shit together and, and uh, raised a good kid. And I'm like, dude, you, you know, your life, you have no idea. Yeah. You really have no idea how lucky. I mean, don't be an asshole to your parents because you really fucking hit the lotto here, you know? Oh, man, I, I can relate. I was the new kid more often than I wasn't the new kid, you know, moving around mm-hmm. so much. But, yeah, I mean. That's a, that's another thing we have in common, too, is I moved around a lot, yeah. you know? Uh, and so it was like every four years, five years, six years, starting over someplace new. Oh. And um, You had a good, man. That's plenty enough time to make friends. <laughs> Dude, I was sometimes not even a year. You know, yeah, it's all over the place getting bounced around to whoever it takes. That, and that's difficult, too, because like you never really form real bonds with people, mm-hmm. you know, because, you, you know, maybe you make a good friend, you get used to a situation and you move again and then you're starting all over from scratch. I mean, I'm a, like I'm a fucking pro um, at starting over um, with nothing because I've had to do it my whole life, you know. And I just, there's a part of me as I get older, I'm like rounding the corner into being middle age where I just starting to crave like just consistency of the people in my life, where I live, you know, and it influences my decisions now because I'm like, I don't want to move again, start over again, you know, and um, the th- upside to that is that I know a lot of people and some of them are really good. Some of them are uh, you know, whatever, just people I knew in my past, but, um, I've never known that sort of, uh, healthy, consistent, normalized lifestyle. Um, and it just made me who I am. And, you know, I'm, I'm a very malleable person because of it, but, uh, you notice that people who come from families like that tend to be either they they emulate what they came from and they're just sort of the cookie cutter or the people who came from the, the lives that are always in turmoil and changing or whatever, they, they tend to be a little bit more adventurous, a little bit more uh, able to seek something like a dream, do something crazy, you know, like uh, break the norms, go out there and, and uh, really explore things. Because they're they're not afraid of it because they've lived their whole life of, of change, you know, and so <clears throat> I've just seen that trend. I've just seen people who grew up in a really normal family, uh, great parents, married, and they just they, they do the cookie cutter thing. Be comfortable. Yeah, I mean, because it makes sense to them. It's what makes. But the people who always had that that change and the um, 
the experience of uh, non-stability are more willing to go out into the yeah. world and take chances and risks and stuff. So well, I guess there is a silver lining when I'm trying to say it, but I totally accept that different people have different, you know, expectations, things that make them happy, et cetera, et cetera. So I understand that what makes me happy isn't going to make that guy happy. And I might not, oh, yeah. I might not understand at all what makes that like, so I know plenty of people that were raised in a small town and they go to school in that small town. They get a job in that small town. They go right into getting a mortgage and family right out of college in exactly, that same small town. Exactly. And they live five minutes from their parents' house in a small town. Yes. And dude, and I'm like, look, I'm not judging at all. I mean, I think that's a beautiful thing if you're happy with it. You Absolutely. Know? So to me, that sounds like absolute misery. But I understand, you know, that's probably totally good for them and they're happy. So, but mm-hmm. anyway, to wrap it all up, I just want to also say, I sh- I should have prefaced at the beginning with this. This is really hard to talk about for one reason because I didn't want it to come off like exploitation because it is a situation like that too. It was it's really tough to talk about this stuff, and I don't want it to be like that. Um, actually, I if anything, I want to sort of pay a little bit of homage to my dad because I I think it's good. I think he's a human being and I want to be able to feel compassion for him. And I think anybody that listened to that first episode, I I think they should, he deserves a little bit more, you know, compassion. You know what I mean? A little understanding. So Mm -hmm. I didn't want it to come off the wrong way. It's more or less kind of a tribute to somebody that had so much potential. And I think ultimately, like all of us are, was a good person. You know, we start, we start out as good people. That's who we are. Hopefully that's how we end. Yeah. And I I like to think that our actions don't necessarily change that. You know, I think it takes a lot. You know, I mean, but anyway, can I go into my Jerry Springer final thought? I think I have to have a final thought. So the topic, New Year's resolution 2019. If there's anybody that is keeping you from hitting your next level, if there's something you're holding on to, whether it's bitterness, some sort of grudge, some sort of sadness, some sort of emptiness or void you fill with this or that, you got to really get past it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's easy as just forget. I know it's it's easier said than done to say, oh, forget it or forgive someone. I, I think that is a little tough and that's a, that's hard to ask. But I think it comes with something like this. Try and understand the other side a little bit. Yeah, it, I'm not saying it justifies what they did. But just mm-hmm. maybe understand what caused that or where they're coming from. And that at the end, at the start of everything, they were a person too. They were a child like you. Mm-hmm. And they maybe didn't have the greatest support. So I think if you can do that, that's the first and ultimate step to forgiving them, getting over whatever hurdle you're going through and moving on with your life and hopefully a good 2019. And like Josh said, and I think we try to get the point driven home earlier in the podcast no matter what it is you're going through, we live in America. If you're listening in America, right? It, it, we, if you live in a good country, if that's America or wherever, if you live in a privileged nation, you can get over it. Like it doesn't mm-hmm. define where you're at right now. At the end of the day, life is tough, but it could always be so much worse. And there's always something horrible going on to somebody else on the other end. There's somebody looking up at that same sky as you are right now that's an absolute pain you know torture oh god you know what i mean yeah so sure count your blessings 2019 
it'll take you into a good 2020, I assure it. That's all I think we can say about that. Hopefully, we're going to be back. I'm going to be back with more of these. I'm going to make that my New Year's resolution. I'm going to try and stick by it, and I want to do more of these. I'd like to do them monthly. I want to be reasonable. I don't want to be ridiculous and think I can do them weekly because we have the normal programs and things like that. But can I uh, can I throw out a, a suggestion for a show? Yeah, of course. Uh, I would really love to hear a show about bullying because – I was bullied really, really bad mm-hmm. uh, in grade school mm-hmm. for about five or six years. And I know a lot about that or I have feelings about that. Oh, yeah. And um, it be I mean, this that's also an ongoing topic, you know, with men and, and women who are equally as nasty. Uh, bullying is a, is a really shitty thing that happens, but almost like intrinsically inherent in human nature or something. Uh, that would be an interesting topic to uh, talk about sometime. That is a good topic. And I think everybody can relate to that, you know, whether it be giving or receiving, right? Yeah. And that'd be interesting to talk to somebody that would be willing to admit that they were a bully back in. Yeah, the, it would. You know what I mean? Because we all grow up. Absolutely. It doesn't necessarily define who we are later on. But uh, no, I, I definitely have a million stories about that too, man. I already said I was the new kid a lot. How hard do you think that was? Yeah. It is pretty tough. Oh, yeah. Right? I totally understand that. And also, you know, you never know if that bully was the person who was uh, molested. Or or something, oh, you know? Oh, I know there's I tell you what, we'll put that on reserve because I actually can talk a lot on the topic of that. I have a lot of experience there too, trust me. And there was one case in particular where that was exactly the situation where he was a kid mm-hmm. that really had a raw deal at home. So that is a good idea. So I think we should tackle that. And obviously if you guys have any suggestions for topics Please feel free to comment. If you're listening on YouTube, comment there. Make sure you're subscribing to the Revival House and clicking the notification bell and uh, leave feedback, leave five star ratings. We're going to leave the links in the description on the YouTube to take you over to our Apple Podcast uh, link, our Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher. We're pretty much everywhere. And of course, you can check out just this show if you want, or you can check out the Revival House feed where it has all of our programs that vary in subject matter and uh, let us know what you want to hear because I think that will actually determine how often I can keep doing this as far as, you know, the regularity of it, you know, feed me topics that might help a lot, a hundred percent. And I'm glad you actually brought up the bullying thing. Cause that, that'll be, a, that could be a good one. Who knows? It might be the next one, mm-hmm. but anyway, onward and upward happy 2019. Like I said, let's see it go into a happy 2020 and continue forth from there on. Bye-bye, puppets.